I'm glad we believe that. But I'll tell you one thing, this is going to be really strange. I'm going to have to do this all day, I reckon. Amen. I'm not sure there's enough room up here for me to preach. I'm glad we got this place, though. Amen. Amen. Sure thank the Lord for it. Certainly appreciate all the brothers coming and help set up all this stuff and Scott and Brother David back there and the other brothers that did the internet. I know for you, those of you that are streaming, they're having a little bit of a problem with the volume, but give them, give them a little bit of time to work through all the, all the deals. And uh, we was able to bring something that looked like home. Uh, those folks that bought the church didn't want it, so we gladly took it. I've beat, I've beat on this thing for 30 years. God bless you. Let's, let's bow our heads together. We'll ask the Lord to help us today. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that we could be gathered together again, Lord. Such a difference from Wednesday to today and our last service being in our, our past home and in transition to our future home. But we're so thankful, Lord, that you're mindful of us. As we looked at it Wednesday night from Bethel to El Bethel, Shechem, wherever the elect of God were, they built an altar. And there you met them. And we believe, Lord Jesus, that you're going to meet with us here, Father, every service. There may be a reason beyond our understanding of why we're here. There could be a seed walking up and down these aisles here today as an employee and They'll hear something that they've been looking for their entire life, the way we were. You've got a way of reaching your children. Lord, as I've said before, the last one to be reached in this day will be such an expensive endeavor. All the expense of the Internet, the expense of electronics, the expense of so much stuff to be able to reach your people around the world. Yet to you, it's worth the cost because they mean so much to you. Help us today, I pray, Father. Bless us together as we sit in your presence and as we look into your word. We ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Let's turn to Ruth chapter 4. I know it's going to be a little bit different for us with the screens not being here. I'm not going to promise we can make that work, but if we can, we'll try. Us Laodiceans are so spoilt anyway, ain't we? we? We're used to our conveniences, and it's hard for us when we don't have them. Ruth chapter 4, verse 4. I've thought to advertise the saying, buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people, if thou wilt redeem it. Redeem it. But if thou will not redeem it, then tell me, that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead to raise up the name of the dead 
upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself. Well, he changed, didn't he? What changed him? The Gentile bride. Amen. He didn't want nothing to do with her. Lest I mar my own inheritance, redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated. I love the story of redemption. I guess it's because I'm redeemable. Redemption has such wonderful mysteries in it from the very heart of God. And knowing that we today have been redeemed and on our way, on our journey to the stage of the final redemption, that ought to mean everything to us today. Boaz could not complete the redemption at the threshing floor. The threshing floor was a very important part of this journey that we've been looking at. At Naomi's house was a very important part. He had completed what he could complete in each stage, but yet he could not finalize it at the threshing floor. Yet that's where she was able to mark the place. And I hope you understand what I'm going to say. The Lord Jesus could not have completed redemption had he just died on the cross and stayed here on the earth. He told him when he was here, it's expedient for you that I go away because if I don't go away, then the comforter will not come. And that was only part of the story. The fullness of redemption could not happen if he would have been here on the earth. Can you imagine if the Lord Jesus was here today? Which church would he have attended in his physical body? Would he have been in Zimbabwe, Zaire, Kenya, Tanzania? Would he have been in Tennessee, Louisiana, Indiana, Kentucky? As long as he was here in his human body, he could have only been in one place at one time. No doubt it must have been so painful for them whenever he told them, I've got to go, and it's expedient for you. They must have thought, why? Why? How could that be expedient for us? Because he's fixing to change from his human form back to his God form. But aren't you glad he can be here and be in Louisiana and Mississippi and Ohio and all over the world at the same time? But yet we know that his, his story was very, very similar to that of Boaz. That Boaz could not complete the stage of redemption at the threshing floor. Our Lord Jesus, when he paid the price for us at Calvary, and gave his life. And he bowed his head and said, it is finished. And the price itself was. But now he's fixing to move into a different stage of redemption. And that is his mediatorial work. And we need him there every day, do we not? So Jesus had to return to heaven in order to be able to complete the story of redemption. Notice with me in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood there is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in the heavens should be purified with these. Now he died on the cross. The blood dripped out of his body. Landed on the ground. May have touched some people that were there. But yet... The heavenly things had not yet been purchased. They had not yet been washed. 
So the full redemption was not just an earthly redemption, but it was a heavenly redemption as well. Now listen, Paul had an understanding about this cleansing that Peter, James, and the rest of the New Testament brothers actually had. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in the heavens should be purified with these things, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Now here he's talking about in reference to the law, the Paschal Lamb, the, the Old Testament blood, all that they did. But he said that would not work in heaven. So he goes on to say, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. We didn't just need him to die on the cross, but we needed him to appear in the presence of God for us. Why? He's going to carry back the redemptive price of our name of our inheritance, of what God gave us back into the presence of God. Notice in 1 Timothy 2, 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The word mediator is one who intervenes between two in order to make or restore peace or friendship or form a compact or ratify a covenant, a channel of communication or an arbitrator. So one that would be able to go between this party and this party. And we had certainly needed mediation, did we not? I don't mind telling you, I still need it today. I still get weary sometimes, I get sick, I go through this and that and the other just like you do, and I complain and I say, Lord, why me, and why do I have to go through this and that and the other? I need a mediator that will be able to mediate for my human weaknesses. You might as well say amen, you need it too. We all need it. But notice in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6 that Paul said, but now has he obtained a more excellent ministry Notice, a more excellent ministry, also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. So he died at the cross as our Savior and our Redeemer. But he also must go into heaven and be able to perform the work of a mediator, one that will stand between. Now remember, the anointing on the church is not the anointing on the bride. The bride has a mediator for queenship. The church has a mediator for salvation. Will they be saved? Of course the church is saved. But the elect of God fit into a category that is of his own heart purpose. For we know all things are coming from him and he will establish it according to his principles. Romans chapter 8 verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. I mean, still needs a mediator today. You need a mediator probably more than you realize. Well, I got saved and I've got the Holy Ghost. That's all wonderful. But you need a mediator in between your divine part and your human part every day. Because we fall so short of the glory of God with our weaknesses and our failures and our humanities. And the Lord Jesus knew that. 
Notice in Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Now this is what we're waiting for is the consummation leading to the body change is when the last member whose name is on that book of life will be completed, not just saved, but completed. And when they are, there will be a time on the earth that there will no longer be a need for a mediator. It may not be but 24 hours. It may not be but 30 minutes. I don't know how long it'll be, but there'll come a time that every member on the earth of the bride will be finished and done, and the mediator will no longer be necessary, and he will come and call his bride away. Now, we know that Elimelech was in a type like Adam in that once Elimelech stepped across the chasm of death. Now, remember, he was the father, and it was under his direction that the family left the promised land. Now, when a Jew leaves the promised land, they are backslid. And when you and I leave our promised land of the word of this day, we're backslid too. And remember, fathers, God is going to hold you responsible for the way you lead your children. Amen. And your wife. God will never hold your wife responsible nor your children, but he will hold us men responsible. So Elimelech, he gets weak in faith and he loses hope in the promise of God. So what does he do? There's a famine in the land. So he leaves that land and he hears that there's corn, there's grain, there's bread, there's all these things in the land of Moab. So he leaves his promised land and goes into the land of Moab and it goes totally downhill from there and yet God in his mercy is still determined to carry out his program but while Elimelech is there he steps across the chasm from mortality to immortality once he goes across the chasm he has no way to come back so Elimelech cannot come back across the chasm of death and redeem his wife, nor redeem his two sons, nor their wives. So there must be a kinsman, which is a living kinsman. Once he stepped across the chasm, he himself could not do it. Now it was the same with Adam. Notice this in the breach. That prophet said Adam could not meet the requirements of redemption after he found he lost it. Now what happened was that Adam listened to the reasoning of his wife and once he stepped across the chasm, Adam could not get back. So then that put every one of us in a lost state. So Adam couldn't do it. Eve could not do it. The serpent certainly couldn't do it. No other mortal that would be born thereafter, born of sex desire, would be able to do it. He had sinned, he had separated himself from God and was on this side of the chasm. So he couldn't redeem it. He just couldn't do it. He needed redemption himself and he couldn't do it. Now then Adam sinned by heeding his wife's reasoning instead of holding to God's word. That's what made him sin. And he said then he produced, she produced the product to Adam and Adam turned loose of the word and sold out and lost his inheritance. He lost his fellowship and his right to life. He not only lost his, he lost mine. He lost yours. 
Now, I wasn't even there in the Garden of Eden, but Adam represented every one of us. Is that right? So if God allowed one man to represent us in the fall, God truly will allow one man to represent us in the redemption. Notice he lost his life. He also lost his inheritance in life because he had complete control of the earth. He was a God of the earth. Now God was the God of heaven, but Adam was the God of the earth. So he lost his inheritance. He lost supreme, uh, supreme control rather as a minor God under God our Father. He said Adam lost his inheritance, the earth. He had a right to the tree of life. He had a right to perfect divine health. You imagine never getting up without a headache. You imagine never getting up in a day and you never felt one sad feeling. We don't even know how many years that Adam lived before he fell. But prior to the fall, he never had a bad day. He never felt stress. He never felt worry. He never felt perplexity or tiredness. Why, well, he could go 24-7 if he wanted to. He just did whatever he wanted to do. And my goodness, whenever he lived on this time on the earth, he would just name all the animals and all the things that God gave him under his jurisdiction. It's, it's hard for our minds to even comprehend such a thing. And yet he turned right around and forfeited every bit of that. Why? Because of listening to the reasoning of his wife. But can't you see why God then is compelled in order to receive a substitute? Had God never done this in his own program, today there would be no one saved. It would be impossible for us to be saved, but God in his law would allow a substitute. Now it's amazing how God does this. The prophet says it this way. God's law received a substitute. Now what if God had not offered to take one? But love constrained him to do it. Now the law said that man would die. God said the day you eat thereof is the day you'll surely die. Love constrained God to do it. Man had no way back. But the grace of God met this kinsman redeemer in the person called Jesus Christ. I love the way that he divides this because he says law required it and grace met its requirements. Law required it, but met, grace met the requirement. Isn't it amazing that God gave it by his law, but law couldn't meet it because everyone was born lost. So law could not meet it, and God knew law couldn't, so God already ordained the avenue called grace, and God said, I require I absolutely require the life of an innocent substitute. No one could stand and say, I'll do it, I'll do it. No one could do it. And the law could not produce it. So God said, I'll make an exception. Grace will make a way. Now notice this, and Brother Ram says, oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Law required a kinsman redeemer to, to redeem the lost substance, and grace met this requirement in the person of Jesus Christ. So Boaz, now watch Boaz as he mirrored the oncoming of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, how that law had already determined there's no way Ruth could come into the congregation of the Lord, absolutely no way, nor her descendants, nor their descendants, or their descendants for 400 years. 
400 years the book of Deuteronomy tells us so that a Moabite or an Ammonite could not come into the congregation of the Lord for 400 years. Do you understand that would have left King David out? King David was absolutely left out by the law. What let him in? Grace and mercy. Law left us out. What brought us in? Grace and mercy. Notice the virgin birth produced our kinsman redeemer. None other but almighty God become Emmanuel, one of us. You see how God makes a requirement and there's nothing that can do it but grace steps in and overshadows the law and produces the product. Oh, let me read that again. Oh, my. There's nothing that can do it when God makes a requirement. There's nothing can do it. Then grace steps in and overshadows the law and produces the product. So here was Boaz in this same dilemma that the law could never be able to allow her into the presence of God. Oh, it ain't no wonder that David carried on so. It ain't no wonder he worshiped and sung and shouted because by the law he had no right even to be in the economy of God. Well, by the law, I don't either. But grace allowed me to come in. So guess what? I'm, I'm grateful I'm in today and I'm gonna act like I'm grateful because God don't owe me nothing I owe him everything his law me my where I was born my family your family all of us together there's no hope for us at all little did we know our names is written down on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world and law would never call my name from the book but grace did Law would have never brought you from where you were, but grace did. If you're sitting here today and you're in a terrible situation and the law might condemn you, your own works might condemn you, but the grace of God can overshadow that promise and bring you where you need to be in his presence. Oh, hallelujah. Notice in Ruth 4, 7. Now this was the manner in the former time in Israel concerning redeeming and changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And this was a testimony in Israel. So the sandals, their shoes, they didn't have Nikes and Skechers and all that sort of thing that we do today, but probably a pretty primitive type of sandal. But a sandal was a movable title deed so footprints meant possession so where God told the children of Israel to go it's amazing because God told them every place your sole of your foot treads that's yours and yet they had to fight for every inch they got you imagine God said it's all yours Abraham every bit of it children of Israel it's all yours and they had to fight and labor and fight and then once they got in they had to fight to keep what they fought to get initially well, how many knows it's the same way with us today? You fight through all hell to even come to God. You fight through the darkness and the powers of the world to get sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost and get the heat, get healing and deliverance and get your family in church and get them saved. And then you say, well, praise the Lord. Now we're all in. I guess we can just kick back and our recliners. Nope, now you fight a different battle. Now you fight to keep what you've been fighting for to get. But it's worth the fight, is it not? I said it is worth the fight. If I'm going to fight, let me fight for Jesus. 
by removing the sandal of the guardian or the title deed holder and handing it over to the other person, they are forfeiting the right to walk on the ground. So he would remove his shoe and it was a land transfer or a title deed that was given over to the other individual. So the custom of taking off the shoe then was acting out. It was a sign of laying aside something, which is the way our Lord Jesus did. Now, notice the prophet tells us in that day on Calvary, God, he said it went back into the hands of God, talking about the book. And he said, yet he broke the backbone of Satan at Calvary, the backbone of sin and the backbone of sickness, and brings every mortal being on the earth back into the presence of God. Hallelujah, he says. Our sins are forgiven. No more can Satan black us away from God. There's a highway been made. There's a telephone sitting there. There's a line to glory, and it brings every person in reach of that line. You need healing? Don't call 911. Call Jesus. You need deliverance? Don't call 911 call Jesus Lord I need healing today I need deliverance today I need salvation there's a telephone sitting right there verse 8 therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz buy it for thee so he drew off his shoe he must acknowledge it now he says it twice he must acknowledge and forfeit his rights. So he draws off his shoe and forfeits his title deed of claim. You see, it was not only a piece of property that Boaz was purchasing. It's not only this cylinder that's standing out here on the earth that makes a complete circle in 24 hours. Uh It's not just this that his blood dripped upon, but it was for a marriage vow, which includes me and you. It was a marriage settlement, a settlement. So Boaz knows that he's going to get the property. That was the least of his concerns. He wanted Ruth. Notice in the future home, the prophet said, see how Satan here in the scripture tried to make him break God's plan, talking about the Lord Jesus. To receive it, he took him up on the mountain and tried to make to give it to him without the purchase of the blood. Now you see, he'll offer you and I something very similar. A pew, a position in a church without a cross, a kingdom without a Calvary. But the Lord Jesus said, I will not do it. Remember, they offered the land to Abraham to be able to bury his wife. But Abraham knew enough about the law of the time to know if they just offered that to him, they'd always have a claim on that property. He said, I'll not take it, I'll buy it. Now, I want you to notice here in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8. Again, the devil takes him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world. And the prophet reads this in the seal book, and he says, in a moment of time, and then he says, what a creature. 
You know, imagine the devil showed the Lord Jesus Russia, Germany, the United States. They weren't even in existence as far as governmental power yet. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world that ever was or ever would be and offered them to Jesus. And all Jesus had to do was one thing. Just bow down before him and worship him and he could have it all. Oh my. And he saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. It's amazing how Satan wants worship. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now you remember reading, of course, in St. John chapter 11, that there was a man that had died, which was one of Jesus' best friends, human friends. His name was Lazarus. And the Lord Jesus raised him from the dead. But guess what? Lazarus had to die again. Now listen carefully. Because that temporary resurrection did not loose Lazarus from Satan's claim on his mortality. Now think of it. You say, my goodness, there could be nothing no greater than a temporary resurrection. You're wrong. There is redemption. What God has done for you and your soul today is greater than what he done for Lazarus when he raised him from the dead. Praise the Lord. Why? Lazarus had to die again. Well, you think there's nothing greater than the resurrection. There is the baptism of the Holy Ghost on your soul. Jesus raised the widow from Nain's son. Jesus raised many different ones when he was here, Brother Louis, but none of them went on to live eternally in that body. Why? The temporary resurrection did not release them from Satan's claim. But what he wanted to do for us was a complete annihilation of Satan's claim on us. And you sat here today and say, oh my, oh I ain't got nothing, I'm just saved, I've got the Holy Ghost. Lord, you've got everything. You're just waiting for your body to be changed. You imagine Lazarus being raised from the dead, but here you sit today redeemed by the power of God. It's greater than what he done for Lazarus. I mean, I give him credit. He had an unusual testimony. He died twice. And he'd be raised again. So he died twice and resurrected again. Two times. But you see, every person that is born of the Spirit of God has been released eternally from Satan's claim on your soul. Oh, he'll battle your mind, he'll battle your body, he'll battle your spirit. And the reason of it is because he can't get your soul. You say, boy, Brother Donnie, I'll tell you, since I got the Holy Ghost, I've had more battles in my body. I've had more battles in my mind. That's a good sign you got the Holy Ghost, friend. You know why? Because before the devil lived in that soul. The devil controlled that soul. But now he can't get the soul no more. So he aggravates the mind. And he aggravates the body. And he afflicts you with sickness. But just remind him, devil, my day is coming. My body's fixing to be changed. Amen. My mortality will be swallowed up by the power of God.
him. I love this quote. He took it from Satan. He pulled the earth away from Satan just like he took you away from Satan. Amen. Like he took that little woman at the well away from Satan. Now notice what Boaz does. And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and Chilion and Malon of the hand of Naomi. Now he does it before what? Elders. Now the Jews say by history they required at least 10 elders. They considered 10 a perfect number. 10 elders to be there as a witness and it would stand in the court of law. But our Boaz wanted 24. Revelation 5, 7, and he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts, four and 20 elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song saying thou wert worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us under our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. And the saints said, Amen. Before the, the elders where? Not in Jerusalem. Jesus was condemned by the elders in Jerusalem. But before the elders in heaven. And they witnessed and said, you're the man. You're the man with a plan. You did it. You executed it. You done it. You took care of it. It's already been witnessed in heaven. You're good to go, saints. You're good to go. Nothing is going to stop you. Hallelujah. You see, like Boaz, uh, Tob was so afraid of his own inheritance and he was so afraid that it would mar him and who he was and all that he had. But Boaz wasn't afraid of that at all. He just felt like this woman would somehow be complimentary to who he was. And the Lord Jesus, can you imagine laying aside glory and all the great things that he was and come to the earth and took on our, our reproach, our sin, your drinking, all the things that you done that was wrong and he took them upon himself. Oh, isn't he afraid he'll hurt his name? Isn't he afraid he'll risk his reputation? His reputation is made amongst people like me. His reputation is made amongst people like you. He didn't come to, the, to get good people. He come to save bad people. And I can testify to that today. I know some of y'all can too. Now I want you to notice this, that this was something that was carried out. Now remember, this is a legal transaction. So five times in, in Ruth chapter four, verses one to two, five times, you find people setting down. Okay. So if it's mentioned five times, there must be some sort of significance. Now we know standing has a meaning. Laying has a meaning. 
sitting has a meeting. You know, this posture of the body, it's all reflected, of course, in the Bible. Walking has a meeting. Stopping has a meeting. Whenever Bartimaeus hollered out at Jesus and the Bible says Jesus stood still. So that had a meaning. Right. Now watch. So whenever we come to this part of it, it signifies the Lord Jesus so completed this work for you. He's not in heaven standing. He's not pacing. Oh, I hope Joshy can make it. I really love Joshy, but oh man, I, I just hope he can. I hope you can too. I, I hope Sister Janet. I hope Brother Paul. You know, I, I hope it. Oh man, I'm just up here in heaven. And I'm really worried, and the, the, the end time is going to be so bad, and Satan's power is so bad. I'll show you how bad he's tore up. He's sitting. Mark chapter 16 verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, rema of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down. Sat down. Well, you know what the devil's doing, don't you? He's a roamer. He's roaming back and forth through the earth. He's up going here and going there. We about killed that poor old outfit. Every special meeting we have in the meeting and around the message, him and his demons, I mean, they go to, they go to Virginia, they go to Louisiana, they'll be heading down there next week, of course, and they go here, they go there. They're absolutely run teetotally to death, and the devil ain't got no peace at all, and Jesus is sitting down in heaven. I think it's time we take our rest. And the promise of God, no matter what you're dealing with today, sit down on the promise of God. Hebrews 10, 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for the sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Why? The transaction is finished. Boaz said unto the elders, Ye are the witnesses this day. I have bought it. Notice in verse 10. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Mahon, have I purchased. Wow. Well, that wouldn't be a good scripture to read in this modern age, would it? I mean, they would really resent that sort of thing. You don't find Ruth marching outside with some kind of woke sign. I refuse to be purchased. I rebel against this man saying he purchased me. She's shouting. She couldn't even stand still. She is so rejoicing. That's the way the Laodicea church is. They don't want Jesus to tell them what to do. They don't want Jesus to tell them what to dress, where to go. They don't want Jesus telling them much and nothing except that he loves them and they can live how they want to do and they'll take him to heaven. But the bride says, you bought me, I'm yours. You bought me, I'm yours. I don't belong to myself. I don't belong to my pastor. I don't belong to a man. I belong to Jesus Christ. Watch this. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife. The word purchase means to get. Acquire, create, 
possess and redeem his people. I have purchased to be my wife. Oh, I like to throw that in the devil's face every now and then. Devil, I'm already bought, paid for, signed, sealed, just waiting for the delivery. Amen. I don't belong to him no more. I don't belong to the world no more. Come on, somebody. That's why my gift ain't for sale to no denomination or nothing else. My gift ain't for sale in some type of message denomination neither. I don't belong to me. I don't belong to you in one sense of the word, but I belong to Jesus. You young people don't belong to yourself. You don't belong to Laodicea. You belong to Jesus Christ. You young people need to let the devil know, Satan, I am not yours. You didn't buy me. You didn't purchase me. You ain't big enough. You ain't rich enough. You ain't got enough power. I belong to Jesus Christ. But the word says, Deuteronomy 23.3, an Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord, even to the tenth generation forever. So what if you had a scripture that identified you by nationality? No Tennesseans or Virginians or West Virginians or Arizonans or whatever you are or Kenyans will be able to enter into the economy of God. But all you know is God's calling you. Oh, praise the Lord. All you know is, Brother Joel, that God's calling you and he won't let you go. I tell you, friends, when you and I realize we don't have the faucet that turns on grace and turns it off. There's people that I look at and I think, my goodness, look at what they've done. They've done this and that and the other. But what I always watch is this. Is God dealing with them? Well, if God's dealing with them and all from grace, who am I to say they can't have it? Who are you to say they can't have it? Who are we to say that they're not bride, that they're not the elect of God? God controls that spigot, not us. By the word, by the word, she was hopeless. How could she ever then accept that God would deal with her? Grace. And grace and mercy rewrote her life. You see, God's the one who distributes this, not me and you. Notice this in the Smyrna church age. Redeem means to buy back. It restores to the original owner. And God, by his death, Hallelujah. By his death, the shed blood bought back his own. He bought back the spoken word seed bride. I can see her as she walks out to the well that day thinking, 
There's no hope for me. There's no hope. The rabbis have said I'm lost. The priests have said there's no mercy. But she comes up to the well, and there's a man sitting at the well. And he says, woman, give me a drink. How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me a Samaritan for a drink of water? Oh, he said, if you only knew who you was talking to, you would be asking me for a drink. Hallelujah. How could she ever come in? Jesus told her, her, things that we have nowhere else written in the New Testament that he even told his disciples. She said, well, we know the Messiah comes. We know when he comes, he'll do this. He said, I am he. We have no record he even told Peter that yet. We have no record that he told people that wouldn't even mess up in their marriages and messed up in their church life and messed up in all types of situations in their life. And yet he chose her, an outcast, one that the rest of the world, she was so looked down on, the rest of the women wouldn't even walk to the well with her. You talking about a reputation. Can you imagine being having such a reputation that nobody else in the city would even walk beside you because they didn't want to be seen with you. And yet the Lord Jesus, the resurrection, the way and the life said, I'm not ashamed to be identified with her. Why? Because he knew her name was on his book before the foundation of the world. The law would keep her out. The priest would keep her out. But grace brought her in. Oh, thank you, Lord. Listen to this in the breach. He's been back there interceding until his blood has atoned for every person. The lamb now knows what's written in the book. And he knowed before the foundation of the world. So he's been back there doing the mediator work until everyone that's put in that book has been redeemed. And it's finished. And he walks out. Ah, Changes posture position. Seating is fine for mediatorial work. Seating is fine for a finished work. But when you're going to get your sweetheart, you want to stand up. Don't you, Brother Smith? (laughs) So what's he do? He changes his clothes. He changes his position. You imagine when the angels of God see him rise. And they say, it's time. It's time. Well, how do they know the position of his body? But I'll tell you one thing. It's time for us as the people of God to take a position that is matching his. What are you talking about, Brother Donnie? Get ready to leave this world. Heartaches all around us, storms all around us, typhoons, hurricanes, destruction, deceit all over the world. It's time for us as the people of God to get ready. Get your lamps trimmed and burning. Get the world out of your life. Get worldliness out of your home and get ready so the Lord Jesus can call us out of here. Notice he said he comes to take his bride. He comes now as king. And he's looking for his queen. I love that picture that he allowed 
to be taken of himself out there in Arizona. And I've told you before, I've stood out there where that presence of God come down. Brother Stephen Smith took me there years ago. And you can still to this day see the heights of certain trees and that little bowl of a thing where it's at cut completely off. Here's all the rest of them standing up growing and these are like somebody took a chainsaw and just wow. When the chainsaw, it was him. Brother Ram looked at it and they didn't know it and he said a voice said, turn it to the right. Turn it to the right. Isn't it amazing? Two years after this happens before he recognizes it and whenever he announces it there to the Branham Tabernacle and he takes that picture and turns it up and you can hear the people go, oh, oh. Why? They saw their master. And what you notice, his head is looking down to the earth. What's he looking for? His queen, of course. I was here, you was here. And then shall they see the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Praise the Lord. But remember, it's also after the sign of the Son of Man that Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. How strange. He never said, remember Sarah. He never said, remember Rebecca. He never said, remember Rachel. But he says, remember Lot's wife after the revealing of the Son of Man in Luke 17. Why? There'd be people that would come to it, embrace it, acknowledge it, and turn away. That ain't going to be us by the grace of God. What's he looking for? His sweetheart. Where'd he find us? Some of us out there in the hog cross of sin. Some of us over there in some denominational mix-up somewhere. Some of you didn't even believe in God. Wouldn't even share there was one. That didn't matter. Even when you didn't believe in God, he believed in you. Amen. And Satan may try to bring you back to that spot from time to time. But even when you and I feel like letting go, he'll never let go of us, Brother Louis. He's got a hold of our soul. He's got a hold of our life. He's got a hold of who we are. And he ain't never going to let us go. Oh, my. God's law required a kinsman redeemer and the lamb come out boldly and said, I am their kinsman. I have now made intercession for them. I come to claim their rights. Amen. Acts 20, 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. I, I thought it was the blood of the Son of God. The book of Acts says the blood of God. Who was the Son of God? God made manifest in a human body. That's why they call him the Son. Ephesians 1 13, in whom also you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You said they didn't believe you got it whenever you believed. They believed as a second work of grace and a third work of grace, and you got the Holy Ghost after you believed. And then you were sealed. Verse 14, which is the earnest, I love this word, a pledge that the rest of the purchased inheritance will follow. 
A pledge. That's what I'm waiting for, brother, sister. You see all these gray hairs right here? You see these wrinkles in this face right here? They're only temporary. Who knows in the morning they might all be gone. I've got a down payment. Well, brother Donnie, your face, you need to let your face know. No, my soul's already been let know. My face will figure it out after a while. My hair will catch up with what my soul already knows. I've already got the down payment in my soul. Amen. Notice this 1 Corinthians 6.20 For ye are bought with a price therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. Amen. No wonder Paul could go on to say you are not your own. Listen to this. The prophet said you're born again. Then you're a son and daughter of God. He said you're bought with a price. That's the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you think then you can choose what you want to be in life? Well, I've decided I want to move to Montana. I want to be a ranch owner. And I want to do this, that, and other. And don't even pray about it? Come on. Or what if I decided this morning I wanted to pastor another church? And y'all assembled here and said, where's Brother Donnie? Well, he made up his mind. He, he was tired of pastoring you all. He wanted to go somewhere else. Would y'all be okay with that? No. You wouldn't. You mean you'd require me to seek God and ask God, and yet you don't do it? Oh, Jesus. Is this the exit right here, this little narrow door? I can, I can get out of that, I think. <laughs> our lives are not our own. We're bought with a price. The prophet said, You're bought with the precious blood of Jesus, you're not your own. To throw your life away and live the way you want to. You have no legal rights to take that life that Christ has bought and sell it out to the devil. You have no rights to do it. Oh, but Laodicea is all about their rights. Ain't that the truth? Oh my, they want their rights. They want rights to kill innocent babies before they're ever born. They want rights to do all this and that and the other. They don't think I've got a right to preach against it, but they got a right to do it. Well, right now I still have a right to, and I'm going to do it. Because it's wrong. <laughs> You're talking about powerful. Listen, this the life is in the blood, and the life is in the church. The Christian that's born again by the Spirit of God, that's the Spirit of life, and you are blood relation to Christ. Praise the Lord. Blood relation. Blood relation. And the preacher says, the title deed of redemption of all creation is in his hand, and he's come to claim it back for the human race. Not claim it for angels, but claim it for human beings. So here stands this man that's 80 years old that you say. And there's a 40-year-old woman sitting back in an old rundown house. And he stands here before the elders and says, I have bought her. She's yet to catch the mystery. She doesn't know it yet. I wonder who it was that went back to tell her you're finished. He just paid the price a few moments ago at the gate. I heard him. You imagine when the prophet hears about 
there's going to be a slave sale. The prophet of the Old Testament, Hosea. And somebody tells him, I hear there's going to be some slaves sold down on the market. And I hear that Gomer is one of them. He goes to gather and to gather his nickels, his dimes, his would say, his dollars. What day did you say that sale was? Well, it's Monday. Under anticipation, he gets everything together he can get. And he goes down there, they sell this one, they sell that one, they sell another one, and they bring up Gomer. You see, this woman has a special value to this man. It was his wife. But she had left him for other men, and she had played the part of the harlot. But he still loved her. So they bring her up on the stage. Who'll give me five? Five, 10, 10, 20, 100, 200, 300, 500. Did I bring enough? You imagine as she sees him, his face is flushing, his hands are going up in the air every time. The 50 mark, the $75 mark. And she's thinking, what's he going to do to me? He has the right to have me put to death. I can see it in his eyes. That's what he's going to do. He's going to buy me. And he's going to take me home and kill me. So he finally tops the bid. Way overpriced. They probably thought, wow. She's too old to bring forth children. She's only got a few more years to be a good housemate. You imagine him walking up to her. And her nervously saying, how do you do? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Wouldn't look him in the face. They start off walking and she walks back away from him. The manager said, do you mind if I ask what you're going to do with me? Maybe responded in this way. I've come to take you home. Hallelujah. It must have been a message that was almost too good to be true. He can't really mean that. I've broken his heart. I've, I've brought shame on him and reproach. He can't really mean that. I wonder sometimes if we still don't feel the same way. It's like for us to think that he loves us with such a perfected love. We just can't comprehend it. We're still dealing so much with our humanity, which plagues us every day. And we look at all that and say, he he couldn't love me that way. He loved you before he was a human. Surely he can love you when you're not one. He loved you when you were a salt, an attribute. Friends, don't give up on your children. Don't give up on your loved ones. But Brother Donnie, you don't know what kind of shape they're in. That's right, I probably don't. But my God's bigger than no matter how bad a shape they're in. Don't give up on them. Pray for them. 
call their name before God. I don't know what you think. I think we're in the last days. I believe we're so close to the going away. But I believe before we go, that last pull will be the invitation for the lame, the hog, the blind, the crippled. Come. Come. Maybe one of them is your daughter, your son, your father, your wife. That might be the last one, but they've been gone 20 years. It don't make a difference. They've been gone 200 years. If they're one of his, they will come back. And who else have they got to pray for them but us? Who is it, Esther, beside you that can stand? And maybe it'll be said about you as it was for Esther for such a time as this. Oh, glory to God. Now you see the seals when he was in the mediatorial work back there redeeming, but someday he comes forth to get this book that he's redeemed. And all that's in this book would be him. For that's the believer, the words in the book. Now please don't misunderstand me. The rapture is not a gathering of our Bibles. It's not a gathering of our message books or our message tapes or MP3s or CDs. Think of it. When the rapture takes place, your Bible will be left there in your home. And when the atomic bomb blows up America, your Bible will be burned to ashes. Your CDs will be burned and destroyed. Your MP3 players will be burned and destroyed. You say, oh my goodness, Brother Donnie, how can you say that? Because Jesus didn't say, behold, I go away to prepare tape racks in heaven. But I go away to prepare a place for you. He's not coming for your Bible. He's coming for the Word made flesh. What goes in the rapture is not your Bible. It's not your tapes. It's those messages that's on those tapes that's living out in your everyday life with God. That's the rapture. That's what the rapture is for. Oh, let me read this again. All that's in this book would be Him. For that's the believer. The Word's in the book and the Word is Him and all that's in there. He come forth for this book of redemption whose names are written on the book before the foundation of the world. Oh my. You imagine as Tob walks away and says, Wow, I got out of that. Boaz turns and heads the other way and said, Wow, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You imagine when hell, when hell realizes that morning between seven and nine, when bodies will start being changed. Maybe you're up, you're running late. No doubt the rapture will be on the worst day of the week, Monday. That's just my opinion, of course. You're brushing your teeth. You know, you didn't sleep good. You got a headache. This happened, that happened. And all of a sudden in the mirror, you see your mama. She's been gone for 50 years. And there she stands, an 18-year-old woman, saying, oh, wow. Oh, wow. 
Hallelujah. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, brother, sister, what is it? The day of our redemption has arrived. Let's bow our heads. Praise the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. I wonder, is there anyone here today that would like to be remembered for that great day? God bless you. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. Anyone who doesn't know the Lord is your Savior, and you'd like to meet Him that way today. We'll pray for you as well. Anyone who doesn't have the Holy Ghost, you love the Lord, you love Him, you believe Him, but you just feel like you've not been sealed. Is there anyone? Right, just to pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you for meeting with us here today. We believe as long as we're here and you're here, you'll sanctify these rooms by your presence. It was not the gold that sanctified the altar in the Old Testament. It was the presence of God that sanctified the gold and the altar. So they used these rooms for weddings and displays of this and that and the other. But for the next two months, as far as we know, it's going to be rooms of deliverance, rooms of healing, rooms of peace. Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you'd minister to every heart here today. Those that have streamed the service, Lord God, I pray that you'd move on. Maybe there's a backslider. Maybe someone over in Norway, someone in Germany, someone down in Australia. They just decided to listen today. Lord God, I pray you'll deal with their hearts. Lord God, bring your children home. Bring us home, Father. Maybe there's one, maybe there's five, there's 50, we don't know, whose name is still on the book, but it, their name's not been called yet. Maybe there's a 1,000 around the world, 10,000 that don't have the Holy Ghost yet. Father, deal with them, Lord. Bring your children in. Fill your children with the Holy Ghost, Father. Then work on our lives. Bring us in harmony with your precious promises of this day. That we can be ready to leave this world. Nations are breaking. Israel is shaking, Lord. Lord, I just read it this morning coming to church. That some one of Russia's big allies is urging Putin to start using nuclear weapons. Lord God, we don't know how this thing's going to go. But we ain't worried because we, got, we know who's got our future. You ain't just got our back. You got our belly, our hands, our toes, our eyes, our hair. You got everything waiting for us in a brand new body. And we ain't worried about it, Lord. Because before that bomb ever hits the United States of America, this bride will be gone and be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. We worship you today, Jesus. May we act like bought people, purchased people, that we're not our own. We can't live our own lives. We can't make our own choices of things. We pray we're strange people. Peculiar is the word Paul used in the New Testament. We pray about what we do. We pray about where we live. We pray about this and that and the other because we're bought with a price. And we're not ashamed to say it today, Lord. 
We love you with all of our hearts. And one of these mornings when that change comes and we feel that sweep go over us, we'll look around. Praise God. And the prophet said, you know how we'll be. And it's amazing to me that us in glorified bodies will meet Brother Daniel Nunley. Lord, we'll go to meeting Brother Alan McKinney, Brother Jim Babb. Lord, the saints, our brothers and sisters, I've buried many of them since I've been here, Lord, for these 35 years. We'll go to meeting them. And the prophet said you knew that we'd be looking around for one another. Well, did so-and-so make it? Did so-and-so make it? So you allow us to get together first. So we'll meet one another and shake one another's hands because you want all that attention directed right towards you. Praise the Lord. I don't know how you'll do it, but after we meet one another, our human memory will be wiped clean. So no one that we knew, no one that we loved humanly that didn't make it will not enter into the rapture with that in our mind. Oh no, we're so-and-so. Oh no, we're so-and-so. It will be as if though we never even knew them in this life. You will wipe our memory clean of, as it were, any association with them in life. And we will all rise together up into the presence of our great king and there start worshiping and praising and adoring and blessing your name. Well, Father, I don't mind telling you, I don't want to wait till then. I want to do it right now. I want my mortal breath to merge into my immortal one. I want to live this life and complete this life of being a worshiper. And when I enter into the other one, I'll be burst right into the same way, a worshiper. Praise God. We bless you, Lord Jesus. We worship you today, Father. Can we stand our feet? Now you're changing your posture. You're rising. You're standing up. Let's also enter now into another phase of this service. You've been hearing. You've been responding. You've been listening to the words. You've been saying amen, clapping your hands. That's wonderful. I love when you do that. But now let's move over into another phase. Let's enter into this phase where we worship and adore and love and praise. Hallelujah. Let's just bless him, can we? Before we go, let's just worship him and praise him. Oh, Jesus, we magnify your name, Lord. We worship you today, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Mercy. Rewrote my love. I should have fallen, my soul cast down, but mercy rewrote my. Sing it now, little bride. You can sing it because you've been there. Oh, mercy, 
thank you, Father. God's mercy rerolled my life. Thank you, Lord. have fallen my soul has down but mercy rerolled my life everybody with all your heart hallelujah oh mercy I'm so glad it rerolled our Aren't you glad today? God's mercy did rerolled my love. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I should have fallen. My soul cast down. But God bless you, saints. Thank you for coming today. Service, Wednesday night. Come back, expect the Lord to meet with us again. How many expecting he's going to? Well, we had church here this morning, didn't we? Let's sing that Lord send the rain. Lord send the rain. We're not in too big of a hurry to go, are we? Be flat. Lord, we are the ones called by your name. Humble ourselves now. As we pray, renouncing every sin and wicked away, we lift our voice and say. on me Lord we are the ones called by your name humble ourselves now as we pray renouncing every sin and we're Get away.
on me. One more time. Lord, we are the ones called by your name. Humble ourselves now as we pray. on Wednesday. Let's just sing God is good all the time. God is good all the time. Put a song of praise in this
God is good all the time. Just sing it as you go this morning.